Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in to the Sox on Tap post game show. Three way action coming at you here tonight. I'm Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese and NWI Steve alongside me. Gentlemen, the most recent one of this doubleheader today was a win. So, Tony, I think that calls for victory beers. That does call for victory beers. I've already got one open, but Johnny, I just I want to join you in the crackums. I, I always have reserves next to me. So, we'll just we'll double fist through this for a little while. Budweiser, cheers. I know you're drinking some AB product over there, Johnny. Steve, yeah, so, can, Steve, do you yeah. have beers? In the in the fridge. Um, you yeah. might have to make him go get one. Yeah. Yeah, I have, <laughs> have, haven't been feeling great today, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a no uh, cerveza kind of night. There's nothing better, Steve, than a victory beer. Let me just uh, introduce you to something. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's like a victory beer a day keeps the hashtag it's over away. <laughs> Working to confirm. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there, guys. Um, doubleheader split today. We're doing splits. That's the title of this episode because we're looking for a series split tomorrow. Obviously, wish we were taking this thing, but what's done is done. We cannot control what's in the past, but we can go and talk about it. So, White Sox split today. Initial reactions: How are we feeling overall after the White Sox lose four one in Game One, then win seven zero Game Two tonight? I'll just take this first here, Steve. You know, I, I just want to say today was a fucking roller coaster. Right. Like you wake up after that loss, you're already at the low point and it, it just got worse in game one. Then you've got this like down period in between these two games. I mean, if this was if this was a straight doubleheader, maybe we would have like just rolled right into it. Who knows? But it was a split doubleheader. So I think that in between these two games is probably the saddest I've seen White Sox fans in my entire life like legitimately beat down, dragged through it. It felt like you just got, you know, just dragged over hot coals and you've got a couple hours before you have to go sit through another baseball game if you're tuned into this team. And then they come out and they do that multiple home run thing, which we talk about on this show all the time. I mean, what a roller coaster of a day. Steve, what are your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are uh, Sal's really, really bringing it here in the commentary section. <laughs> but yeah, we got, uh, all right. So for listeners on just the podcast version, we've got Sal, White Sox Sal in here. Crackham, how does it feel to be all the way back? And then the refactory period between games is what uh, Steve is referring to here. That's just pure gold right there from our guy, Sal. You know, the legendary coach of the South Suburban College Bulldogs, the NJC AA Hall of Famer, Mr. Steven Ruzich, used to say that splitting is a lot like kissing your sister. So getting a doubleheader split, 
it sucks, but it's better than the alternative, obviously. And you're right, Anthony. This was a roller coaster of emotions. That first game was kind of a continuation of the shit show that we saw in game one of this series last night. So the vibes were not great, Bob, heading into the second one. And it was very important, I think, for this team to go out there and get on the board early in the first inning. Pito doing some MVP shit. Dare I say, hashtag set the tone. That was I was going to say very much needed. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say set the tone though. Early it's been a while game. since we've been able to, guys. I think we should bring it back. Yeah, and and Johnny, you brought up Sale making some comments in here. Let everybody know how they can actually come in here and make some comments and and get featured on the show. Yeah, right. Make sure you go subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Press the little alert button so you know when we go live. And then when you join the comments here, we can go and feature them here. Uh, like our guy White Sox Sale talking about that refactory period in between games there. Uh, guys, I agree. I'm going to just build off Steve's point there. And the long ball was very, very pleasant on the eyeballs uh, during game two today. Obviously, three of them. Um, you know, you got two of them early and then one for the insurance blast there. Man, it, Steve, what, hit me with the phrase again. We need to hear it. I think a wise man once said, I believe it's pronounced ball go far team go far i think that's it yeah i think you're right and that's good we we had one of our uh, reporters uh socks insane on that tonight he he was working to confirm throughout the game and then after luis robert hit his in the ninth inning and then uh after the final out was recorded it was officially confirmed so i think we can all agree on that here but guys that that makes me feel better here especially as we're jumping on after game two uh talking about these but still uh game one uh of the series and then game one of this doubleheader today is still lingering the mind a little bit but at the same time it could be a lot worse right now uh with where we're at but um you're only as good as your last envelope johnny right yeah that, that's that's kind of where i'm at tony that, that's like you know i, I think if we had say we had a show in between games would have been a much different mood here it would it would have been a much different mood here as i kind of like just gave some some preview to in my initial thoughts the time between these two baseball games that sale has called the refractory period in between games was probably the like literally the worst i've felt all season it took me about 15 minutes maybe a little more after yesterday's ball game to even let Steve know that we were ready to get on this show because I was so pissed off at this White Sox team that I didn't have words to say. And I've been the most positive one on the show, according to some folks on Twitter.com. So to get me to be that broken down and then having to sit through game one today, I didn't really think that they were going to come out in game two and do what they did. Now, the long ball that's a bold strategy guys steve summed it up ball go far team go far we got sal back in here he says it's cool that the Sox invented the multi-homer game tonight that it, is pretty it, cool. it is <laughs> it is it is pretty cool it's almost like we've sat here as a as a group of individuals <laughs> and and kind of spoke this multi-home run thing into existence guys what did you think of josh harrison going deep though because I really do honestly believe that Josh Harrison read our guy, NWI Steve's article, saw his tweets, and has kind of quietly turned it on since then. I inspired him 
what can I say? And now I'm going to have to turn my attention to our guy, Mr. Socks Insane. I got a little bone to pick with you right now because let me tell you something. That fat ass, Kenneth, definitely did not invent the phrase. So the fact that you dared to even go there is a little bit insulting, if I'm going to be honest with you. So we don't trash our own here. And Kenwo has written articles at ontapsportsnet.com. He's got a great recap. Of I will jackknife powerbomb him through a table. I don't He's care. He's got a great review of Harold Baines that, that's published on ontapsportsnet.com. I'm trying to get him back. He just costs a lot of money, uh, you know, to have as part of your organization because he commands top dollar. Uh, guys, uh, just not to get too off the rails, though, but I did see Alex Calamay is available at the trade deadline, so you know our guy Ken is happy. Yeah, gee, weird, weird that, you know, no contending team was interested in him this winter. Go figure. Weird. Weird. All right, guys, uh, let's bring it down. Let's bring it down a little bit here, and uh, I guess let's start with, start with the good here. Let's start with the good. I know we talked a little bit about this multi-home run thing, but, hey, one thing that we kind of uh, did not touch on yet was Mr. Dylan Cease, and I know it was only five and two-thirds, but, oh, my gosh, when he's out there, he's dominant. Uh, one might say all-star caliber worthy. You know, the biggest thing with Dylan tonight, he had that fuck you slider going, and that – I don't know how you even hit that thing. And just the way that he was pairing that in a couple of sequences, I mean, that 98-mile-an-hour fastball right on the black, lower inside quadrant to Josh Naylor to get him for that strike, and I think it was the third or fourth inning. The sequence that he had to get him right there, he goes slider, slider, and then drops that pitch on him in that spot. Granted, he missed his spot. Sebi wanted it low and away. But he just dotted that thing right in the back. You have no chance. When that slider was going the way it was going tonight, your only hope is that he is going to get himself into trouble by walking guys. And that's kind of what happened. That's what caused his night to be a little bit shorter tonight. He got himself into some trouble there in that sixth inning. But my God, that thing is just electric. It it looks like curveball break, Steve, is what I'm like looking at when I'm talking when you're talking about the vertical drop on obviously there's horizontal as well, but it's going at the same sort of at least coming off the hand looking like the fastball. And that was something that Stone commented on broadcast too, but it's true. And I, I saw, you know, the pitching ninja pitching ninja loves Dylan Cease, obviously, for good reason. But when you go and look at that, like you're you're replaying it, it's like sure, we've seen wipe, you know, wiping. Me, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's the way you describe it. With sliders that wipe across the zone. Aaron Bummer is a good example of that when you're talking about something that wipes. Granted, he comes a little bit more sidearm to three quarters there. But Dylan Cease has the vertical drop on it that makes it look like a curveball, but it's still like 86, 87. And like you said, Steve, I would agree, pretty much unhittable. And I would go and argue you could put it up there, maybe not the best, but one of the most unhittable pitches in the game. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. When he is able to locate that, and the other thing about it too is being able to throw it both for strikes and then having a wipeout version of it as well. That's something that Stone talks about, I think, pretty regularly. Is if you can have those two kind of variants of a pitch right there, it's almost like having two separate um, pitches in your arsenal right there. So when you are able to do that, my God, as a hitter, I just again, I don't know how you have a chance against that tony i know you saw some cool and tough shit from dylan cease your takeaways 
I mean, this just this guy's just got one of the best fucking pitch arsenals in the game. Let's 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 go through him here. We talked about some of our favorite pitches on a prior episode of this show. He's got every single fucking one of them. 98 mile an hour fastball, fuck you, right on the corner. I'll paint it. I've got command. Want the cease hammer? Go ahead, take your chance. Slider in the dirt, looks like it's right over the middle of the plate. Fuck you. I just think that he has everything that you want. You can mix it up. He can go to so many different things. If one is off, he's got that shit that just continues to work because every single time I see this kid take the mound now, he's got two things within that arsenal that are working for him that he can rotate from and even additions onto that pitch arsenal like you guys just both talked about that make him look different depending on how he throws them. This is a different Dylan Cease than we were talking about a couple of years ago. The one thing that I was always big on with Dylan Cease is get yourself through that big inning, and it normally came in the first or the second. He's figured that out. He looks like the real deal. Sure, there's still going to be days where you're going to get vintage Dylan Cease when things aren't working for him, but it seems like nine times out of ten when Dylan, ta- Dylan Cease takes the mound, He's got stuff working for him that is going to be a problem for opposing hitters. That's cool and tough. It's ace shit. This kid is the real deal. I love watching him throw baseballs. Yeah, that that slider is really, really coming into play here. And obviously, Steve and I kind of just talked about the different variations of it there. Um, But the usage of that, he's feeling so much more confident in it that you see he's using that more than a four seam fastball at this point. And we are talking about a certain weird, of the season. yeah, it's weird. It's, yeah, hey, it, you know, John, you bring and, up a very interesting point here, and that's something I was uh gonna save for later here. So let me just go ahead and let me just, yeah, go, yeah, this is the time. This, this is the time. This you, have the, you have the floor, Steve, right here because you know, back on August 19th of 2020, I had a little conversation with uh Stephen Stone as I know many people in the realm of White Sox Twitter have. Now, this was granted back in the old and the original NWI underscore Steve Twitter account. I had made some commentary about, uh, you know, Dylan perhaps maybe needing to work backwards a little bit more because the fastball was having some issues, getting knocked around a little bit. Stone's retort to that was, I think you should do exactly what he's doing. He's 4-1 with an ERA just over three. He's 24. How much better do you need him to be? Well, Steven, that season didn't work out particularly well for Dylan after you sent that tweet. And lo and behold, we go this season here. And let's talk about some usage patterns for a minute here. Before his start on 529, Dylan sees 40.6% forcing fastball usage, 34% slider usage, 4.24 ERA, 13.7 Ks per nine, 1.3 whip. Since that 529 start, 43% slider usage, 41.5% forcing fastball usage, 0.53 ERA, 1.15 whip. Steve, for, for people Nasty. who don't for people who don't understand hashtag stats, break that down for me and like just I, doing, I like, like I, I put it this way. I'm I'm Ken Woe here. And I, so, I want, so your I brain doesn't you, function correctly is what you're telling me. I want, I want you to just lay that out for me. Is that cool and tough? Is it's it, is it good? Cool is it, is it good? All right. Just it's hashtag confirmed. It's hashtag confirmed. The, the basic synopsis of this here is Dylan Cease is doing what we refer to as pitching backwards to get very inside baseball. 
for you there. Now, when so, you say pitching backwards, you're you're talking about his arsenal because I can yeah. also apply this to how he looks after he got through some of these really tough innings, the Dylan Cease inning. I used to joke about this. Dylan Cease in the no good, very bad, horrible, bad inning. He always used to have that. And just like the children's book, it was like everything went from there went wrong. So when I say work backwards, I also think he's taken a different approach to his game almost completely to solve his issues. And I can apply your theories here to a totally different realm of it. I think you're talking more about his pitch arsenal. I am definitely talking about the pitch arsenal aspect of it here, utilizing the breaking pitches really to set up the fastball to put hitters away, which is kind of the inverse of the traditional school of thought when it comes to pitching. You look at guys like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, they're going to rely, and, and Michael Kopech is a great example of that here with this White Sox staff. Utilizing that fastball to get ahead in counts and then utilizing the secondary breaking stuff to put guys away. Cease has kind of flipped that script here a little bit and that usage of that slider, that is his best pitch. Let there be no mistake about it. You look at the data. That is his best pitch. That is the pitch that gets hit the softest of all things in his arsenal. Look at that right on cue. Our guy socks and saints and he's throwing his best pitch more and look at the results. Weird how that happens. Crazy, crazy. No, I mean, guys, it, it really, I mean, when we were just talking about it, we, we've kind of dug through Dylan Cease. And I'd, Steve, I think I thank you for that synopsis. That was, that was a good breakdown here that we had on him. But it wasn't all him in this game because he got into that little bit of trouble. You're talking about the walking guys and obviously um, probably just a little fatigue. He's getting up, you know, approaching the triple digit mark in the pitches there. But who comes in? No one other than Reynaldo Lopez, who has been absolute nails, comes in, gets three pitch strikeout, and then also works clean inning after that. Um, speak about Reynaldo Lopez's importance. I know we've talked about it a couple times on here, but man, uh, showing up in a big spot here tonight, um, very much on display. You want to take this one, Anthony? I'll let you have at it, Steve. I'm well, formulating thoughts still. You just got more beers to drink. I've got so many beers to drink. Just take the floor. I'll keep drinking beer. You can't say enough about what Ronaldo Lopez has provided this team here in 2022. So he comes in in a bases loaded two out spot. This game was not decided. You know, Cleveland gets a base hit right there. All of a sudden, you're looking at at least a four to two game. And Given some of the bad history and the bad juju, as our boy Buzz would like to say, in that ballpark, particularly over the course of the last decade, Anthony, I think you and I might have gone over that after last evening's debacle, for him to come in there and just immediately carve up, get a three-pitch strikeout to put that inning to bed immediately and say, not tonight, motherfuckers, Raylo's on the case book closed and then he went out there did the job in the seventh inning threw up another zero that's what we have been seeing from this guy with consistency all season here and he has really elevated himself to be one of the most reliable pieces in this bullpen and a guy that is positioning himself to be a higher level or excuse me a higher leverage option for this team down the stretch if they can write the ship and be playing in meaningful games down the stretch 
I was thinking in between games and not that Davis Martin had a bad start in game one, but I was just thinking that, you know, we, we like to go down the rabbit hole, Tony, the, the butterfly effect. We like to play that a lot. And I was just thinking, what would what would game one have looked like if it was Ronaldo Lopez on the mound? And, and obviously a different circumstance altogether of him being more built up for that this year. Um, but then I go and see him out in this situation here today in a you know situation where, like you had said, Steve, game can turn. Uh, at the you know sign a drop of a bat really um and i'd see him lock that thing down i'm like okay i want him in that back end of the bullpen because tony you and i talked about a little bit the other day of what would it look like if michael kopech was back there we can go and play these hypotheticals all day but at the end of the day now i'm just thinking right now i'm glad that we have Raylo there and i'm glad that he's proving himself in this role and i agree steven i would say that he is due for even more high leverage uh situations going forward here i feel that he has been used in these high leverage situations sort of consistently at least in the, even later innings yeah, next but time, yeah even even later innings well i mean that depends on what you want to do with joe kelly and kendall graveman but reynaldo lopez right now is the guy that i am most confident with in a lot of these situations and that's just being honest i we we all watch almost every single inning of White Sox baseball and Reynaldo Lopez comes in a ball game. I think you guys would probably agree. You're feeling pretty fucking confident right now when this guy takes the mound. This is something that we were talking about, Johnny, years ago, back in the Shy Sox weekly days. I always said that Reynaldo Lopez has the same shit that like you can bring in that's almost a Josh Hader type that gets you through two innings because he's got the he's got the velocity. He's got the breaking stuff. We just talked about it with Dylan Cease. I don't think Reynaldo Lopez ever really put it together as a starter. That's unfortunate. But what is really fortunate is that you traded Adam Eaton and you netted him and Lucas Giolito onto this ball club, and you have this guy who's got this ability to go one time through an order, and he's really damn good at it. And that makes him an exceptional reliever. He's he's really grown in some weird ways compared to what you would like think of the normal growth trajectory for a guy that you thought was going to be in the starting rotation back in 2018. High quality innings right now, high quality stuff. There's nothing to complain about with Reynaldo Lopez. I would say there's more ire on guys like Aaron Bummer. If there are Reynaldo Lopez. And when you say higher leverage innings, Johnny, yeah. He's yeah, fucking earning it right now, and right. it's cool and tough to watch. Right, and I should specify that higher leverage doesn't have to be later in the game. But, you know, say you get into that eighth inning and you're in a 3-2 ball game, he may be an option instead of Kendall Graveman is kind of what but I'm getting multi-inning at. Multi-inning relievers, right. you know, Johnny, but, and I'll ask this to the whole group. Multi-inning relievers who can come in and do that for your ball club are so extremely valuable. Yeah, and I, I, I yeah, no, Tony, I was going to say, you know, availability is the best ability. That's the old cliche. When it comes to bullpens here, I think adaptability might be the second best ability. You know, and it's it's funny, Tony, you talked about kind of Lopez's career trajectory, being a guy that came over in the Adam Eaton deal and was a top 100 prospect, didn't pan out in the starting rotation. Another guy that we saw unfortunately do a lot of damage against the White Sox for a number of years that had a very similar career trajectory was Wade Davis. Go back, think about the times when he came up with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, was a top 100 prospect, starting pitcher, goes over to the Kansas City Royals. 
They try him in the rotation again, doesn't work out, goes into the bullpen then, and is kind of a, a mid-level guy in there. And then over time starts working his way into higher leverage spots, becoming a setup guy, and then ultimately becoming a closer. Hint, hint, you might see more about this very tale. I was going to a website. It was on tapsportsnet.com tomorrow. Steve, Steve I was going to ask you and, and, and Johnny here. Reynaldo Lopez has future closer written all over him, does he not? 100%. That's something that scouting reports, when the trade was made, there were there was some back and forth. There was not a consensus about his future role. There was a group of, of people and prospect evaluators that thought he was going to stick in the starting rotation. And on the flip side, there was another group that said, this is a future closer. I like it. I like I like hearing all this. I like hearing the way David's comps. I like hearing future closer from Raylo, and obviously the shit is there, and the um just the lockdown kind of mentality too is there. He is you know there's kind of a we we talk about sometimes on past shows about some guys possibly being deer in the headlights a little bit, and maybe that was just a function of him being uh you know in a starter role where he hadn't really established himself yet. And granted, there wasn't a whole lot working behind him uh, when you're talking about those rebuilding years. But um, like I said, the adaptability of him is what I, I'm really impressed with when it comes to Raylo and obviously getting him out of a tight jam uh, here tonight. And uh, he was the only one to work out of a uh, situation. Uh, Kendall Graveman kind of got himself into a little bit of a bind uh, in that eighth inning, but uh, was able to escape it. Nice uh, little kind of sliding catch by AJ Pollock there. Um, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, once again, a thing that maybe could have gone either way, but uh, this is what you pay a guy like Kendall Graveman for. And guess what? I'll take the result um, over no matter how ugly it looked <laughs> during. I mean, could Alex Calme have done it better? That's what the people are asking right now. Before we get any farther, Johnny and Steve, I just want to say, can you imagine being Reynaldo Lopez's eye doctor that turned his career around? I mean, that's got to be a great story to tell your grandchildren someday. Uh, but let's let's move on to the Kendall Graveman stuff. He's been one of those guys that also does sort of the Alex Colomay thing. You're wondering, are you going to get through this inning? It's like a tightrope act. And it seems to work out for him nine times out of ten, but there's some stress there. This is why we're asking Howard Ankin to open up a class action lawsuit against the Chicago White Sox for all the pain and suffering of White Sox fans. Kendall Graveman. It, it's not pretty. It gets the job done. But what kind of heart damage are we doing to a whole society of people when we go through this every single time he takes them out? Now, it's one thing to know the job's going to get done, but there's always moments of stress that are incurred during that, that, that time while he's on the mound, which is why, hey, maybe Reynaldo Lopez might be the better solution in innings like this. And you can have a whole debate whether or not the money was spent correctly, but Guys, at the end of the day, he does get the job done. Right. But there might be an extra beer consumed during the eighth inning. Right. Because yeah. Kendall Graveman's on the mound. Where are we at well, with I, this? I think it's a fair point, Tony. And then that can also just tie into what we just talked about with Reynaldo Lopez. And you're talking about the flip flop possibly there. And obviously, I know it was a different situation with uh, Reynaldo Lopez inheriting uh, a bases loaded situation and getting out of it there. So, but maybe you go to Graveman in the clean inning and then you have Reynaldo Lopez for that next one that may be. Um, you know, a little bit more higher leverage. That's where I would go. Uh, initial thoughts there on that kind of direction, Tony. 
couple of a couple of points here, Anthony, that you that you touched on. If you need me to call my man to see, you know, if if maybe there's some sort of financial restitution that the White Sox owe us for the pain and distress that we have been caused here, particularly this season, I can make the call. I got it. I I got him on speed dial. You got a guy. I got a you guy. Got your main. I got my man. Your main is on mang. speed dial. This that's this is fantastic. You know, we're heading into after dark territory here. Yeah, yeah, territory. Yeah, here. yeah. On a serious note, though, we talk about the resource allocation with guys like Kendall Graveman, and you can even throw Liam Hendricks in there, and just the amount of money and the percentage of this team's payroll that is being utilized between those two guys right there. That is why being able to develop. A guy like a Ronaldo Lopez prevents you from having to make those types of costly, costly financial Steve, moves. Steve, we haven't fucking seen that in a long time. We haven't. But if you can get this type of continued performance out of Ronaldo Lopez and a guy like Jimmy Lambert, who is showing some flashes of this, again, another guy that was a starter throughout his minor league career has come in and has done some nice things in the bullpen. To this point I here, have, again, lower really leverage situation, question. maybe building, working those stepping stones in there. But that's what good quality teams do. That's what the Tampa Bay Rays do. I have a I have a really important question here to ask, like, everybody, even those in the comments. Could they have done this with Carson Fulmer? Could they have done this? Could they have done this with Carson Fulmer? That's that. That's cold. <laughs> you kind of, kind of, a, kind of a lost cause, Tony. That's, that's where I go with. Uh, there's a reason nobody else has figured him out, right? If he was that raw and whatever, the that team that Steve just mentioned would have probably snatched him up already. And uh, I just spun him exactly. out into not a, only you know, not only that. Yeah. You know, he was in a Dodger uniform you recently. Can't make August the Dodgers on the White Sox podcast him? without bringing up Carson Fulmer, and we were getting close, so we had to do it. Well, you did say we were approaching after dark hours here. Yes, so. that's why. That's why it's we're cold here. as ice. Cold yeah. as ice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, interesting stuff. But uh, well, one last thought on that whole thing we were talking about allocation. We we we've had plenty of discussions uh, about that in the past, and it won't be the last time that we talk about it. But Joe Kelly, by comparison, is making Kendall Graveman look better. I will say that. Guys, this is where this is. So I don't want to be there, me. but I, it is just not. No, me. no, you're 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 right on. This is where it's so hard for me, right? Because you've got this whole TLR Joe Kelly backstory. I even wrote about it, and then you know, th- there's all this stuff going on with the team being dead, and are they going to promote TLR up into the front office after this season? What's going to happen? People here? are saying that. I, I've heard that on Twitter.com, Stephen. Uh, so I, I'm having a real hard time here. And and I, I love Tony. We all know this on this show. I love Tony. He's my guy. He's got the same name as I do. Somebody once told me on Twitter.com that's the only reason that I like him. But at the end of the day, this White Sox front office has spent so much money on this bullpen. So much fucking money. Steve... I got to ask you to go to the computer and tell me how much money that Bobby Jenks was making in 2005. Because I remember, I remember that. He I don't was even like need a, to go to the computer for that one. He, he, he was like a pickup off waivers. Wasn't he was he? making the league 
He was making the league minimum acquired off waivers from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County of California of the Pacific time zone. Yes. And didn't they try and go pay big money to our guy Shingo Takatsu? Now the gone was fucking cool. That was that was awesome. Well, but the way that this team is constructed is so dumb. Like, can we talk about that for a second? Big bullpens. We're trying to sell t-shirts off the ponytail gang last year. Craig Kimbrell turns into AJ Pollock. Okay, that's fine. But guys like Reynaldo Lopez give me hope. Like, as a baseball fan, here's a failed starter who turns into just an absolute weapon out of your bullpen doesn't command the big dollar. And I feel like we were suckered into this big back end of the bullpen that can't get utilized. Right. I'm going to say this Joe Kelly, not being able to pitch back to back days until July 1st, major issue. Wish that was reported in April because it would have saved a lot of heartache. There would have been a lot less comments directed at the manager, at the pitching coach, at Rick Hahn, at everybody else if that information was public beforehand, but they chose to keep that a secret and go pay this guy millions of dollars to come in here and then all of a sudden not be available for half the season and everybody's wondering where the fuck you are. How many other guys you think have something like that in their contract that we don't even know about? And We hop on this show every single fucking night and go, where were you? That's a major fucking problem. Because your manager's not going to come out there and say, oh, he can't pitch that way because his agent said that he can't pitch two days in a row. The fact that that went public mid-year, I don't think enough people talk about. And then there's Raylo out there getting, like, rode every single day. Remember Jimmy? Big Guns Jimmy? Rick Renteria rode him into the fucking ground. That's cool and tough. I admire that shit. What I don't admire is I can't pitch every day and help my team be in the best situation that they can to win ball games. I go back to the comment that we talked about the other day, Steve, Frank Thomas walking into the, into the clubhouse and being told it's some kid's first day that he's ever been at the ballpark and he paid money to go see you. That's the shit that exudes cool and toughness. Does it not Johnny? I mean, confirm. there's a lot of big money on a lot of guys that maybe this wasn't done right. Unfortunately, this has kind of been the modus operandi of this organization for the last 15 years. I'm old enough to remember the 2007 version when the, fire, the back-end fireballing bullpen was – the original Kenny Williams creation when they had, they already had Bobby Jenks in place. They had Matt Thornton. They had acquired fucking Mike McDougal um, from the Kansas city Royals earlier that year. And then they had acquired Andrew Cisco. Remember that one. I'm, I'm going into the way back machine right there. So you had four guys, 97 to a hundred, now, granted, Cisco and McDougal, neither one of them could end up throwing strikes. So that thing all just I evaporated. was so excited for the McDougal acquisition. I just got to raise my hand right here oh, and be like, God, I was I, so I excited. Hate, I hated it. He threw the time so it fast. I know, but I, I, I hated fastball. it. So then, you know, you had that happen. And then that whole thing fizzled out. 
what happened the immediately that offseason? They go out and they spend big money for three years apiece. Or no, they actually gave Scott Linestink four years and they gave Octavio Dotel three years. So this is the White Sox way, spending on the bullpen. Making me sad now, guys. You're supposed to talk about a win here. What the fuck's going on? We've gone off the rails here. You're definitely right, Tony. We're in some socks on tap after dark territory here. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, I was going to say that you were beating some dead horses here, Tony, but it, it's true, though. It, it's true because it's been that way, as Steven brought up, kind of the MO uh, of this team. And um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate at times, but uh, is what kind of got us on this was we were talking about Graven here. So, um, I do think when we're talking if we're just on general topics of bullpen, though, um, so, uh, something that was also brought up on the broadcast, uh, you get through this day, minimal damage throughout a double header. You got one more here tomorrow and then you go in four. obviously no off day in between four in Minnesota. So obviously you would have liked to win some of these games. And if that took some more bullpen pitchers, then so be it. Obviously, you'll take anything in the left hand column there. But um you are at least putting yourself in a better position here uh with with the way that some of these transpired here uh towards the end so i can't be angry about that you did not have to burn liam hendricks tonight matt foster came in one two three it um to end the uh second game of this double header white Sox winner 7-0 so um how are we feeling about the rest of this because right now you know we're, we're at two and one excuse me one and two uh, on this little stretch of eight games Proceeding the all-star break. How are we feeling going in a final game of the Cleveland series and then a four-game set in Minnesota to close out the first half of the season? Lucas Giolito, this is your time. We've been talking about this a lot over the last six weeks or so. It's time to show yourself. You want to be the big dog? You want to be the man? Tomorrow's the day to do it. Okay? This team needs a win. You can't afford to start this stretch one and three. All right. You got a chance to get out of this series with a split, which I think most of us, if we looked at this objectively, just given the struggles that have happened in Cleveland in particular, we would take that. So Geo, time to put the big boy pants on, go out there and get the fucking job done. I'm thankful it's not a day game tomorrow on a getaway day. That 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 is key for me when it's pretty, when it comes to Lucas Giolito because obviously you could go back and look at stats and maybe they don't back it up all together but we all remember that kind of morning game in Boston that weird kind of shit uh, that happened when it, when things really went off the rails and then obviously he had his struggles from the very end of May through uh, most of June um, and then he kind of at least gutted through some things a little bit better. Uh, you know, he had kind of had that gutsy outing at LA. Uh, he even was, he, I was there on that Friday night game, his last start against Detroit. Um, obviously we, we know how that thing kind of ended. Uh, but for the most part to start that, um, he was cruising through about five, five and third uh, through there. So like you said, Steve, not up, carried that sort of, you know, kind of mojo that you had going from there. Um, it would be worse for him trying to dig out of that hole still, but I think he has made those steps uh, back up that sort of uh, uh, trench. So um, I'm looking for that too. really uh, need him to stack up, get one for the team, man. Put it in the left-hand column. We've said it so many times. I'm once again, looking for what he looks like on the mound. What's the body language look like? How is he able to command his stuff? 
Tony's the Tony's the Bernie Sanders meme right now. I am once again looking for a, a notch yes. in the left hand column. Yes, I am once <laughs> again looking for one in the left hand column. That's exactly. What I I'm am once for. again asking the White Sox to put another number in the left hand column. <laughs> this is fantastic. We are we are just killing it tonight, guys. Uh, Numbers in the left hand column are a human right. They are. Because I need victory beers, and we all know that we need like, that is my fuel. Johnny knows it. That's my fuel. We need numbers in the left hand column. I want Giolito to just look at what Dylan Cease did today, because he's shown flashes throughout his career where he can go out there and have two pitches working for him on one day, and do the same exact type of damage that Dylan Cease can do. Bring that Lucas Giolito back. That's what I'm looking for. If some of these guys start to take control of ball games the same way a goalie can steal a win in hockey, Johnny, we'd be in a really great position. I know that there's been so much talk about Carlos Rodon isn't in this rotation like he was last year and all this other stuff. The rotation has been, for the most part, very rock solid. The, the the guys are still there on paper. People forget they held together when the offense did jack they, for all. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for backing me up on this, Johnny. They have held it together pretty solid. The offense still needs to do its part. I would still ask them to give some run support to Lucas Giolito to help him work a little bit more loose. But on the same note, this is going to be a battle. You know that you need this ball game. Go out there and just take a page out of Dylan Cease's book and go out there and deliver, man. Like, that's what you're asking of Lucas Giolito tomorrow. Don't know if you're going to get that. You might need the offense to pick you up a little bit, but I need a real good start from him tomorrow. If yeah. I'm Tony La Russa, if I'm Ethan Katz, I'm looking at Lucas Giolito and saying, you get in the ball, there, go out there and if, do this. If you want to qualm- This is your time. If you want to call on the reports of the, uh, you know, lack of player leadership or whatever, I know that may be referring to a few more kind of uh, position player types there, but pitchers can do it too, right? Uh, leading by example, you talk about setting the tone. Well, guess what? A pitcher can set the tone uh, for a game. That's what Lucas Giolito needs to do. And I'm not saying that those are all uh, completely unfounded. And obviously there was the Kenny Williams meeting and all that, but guess what? You want to push that stuff to the back, which is, you know, any think any, team that was facing those sort of you know not accusations but uh reports surrounding them right you want to you want to put that noise you, you want to push it out right block it out the best way to do it is just by going out there and fucking shoving that's the coolest and toughest thing you can do johnny get out there take the ball and be a badass we know our guy nwi steve has done that before in his pitching career steve how does Lucas Giolito go out there and put on an NWI Steve performance tomorrow? He does that by going out there and establishing strike one. First and foremost, that's, that's where this all begins. Work ahead early and often. Utilize that three-pitch mix. We saw him get into issues when he had his rough stretch. He essentially was becoming a two-pitch pitcher, and he was falling behind in too many counts. Get ahead early and often, vary your sequencing, utilize that, that high four-seam fastball, 
the changeup, and the slider, and good things can happen. Be very mindful of two guys in this lineup, Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor. This is still not a powerful Cleveland Indians Cleveland Guardians lineup. I don't know how many years it's going to take me before I stop saying that. Um, just Chuck a bunch Garf of finds, pu- Chuck Garfine's like bucket of money. You would just be like the first person shoveling cash into that thing. Look, I've been saying I hate the Indians my whole fucking life. So this old habits are hard to break. Okay. You know, give me, cut me a little slack here. All right. Moral of the story is this. Go out there, pitch with conviction. Go after these guys. Make them beat you. Just not Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor. I agree. Guys, we talk a lot about our pitchers here up front when we're talking about Lucas Giolito. They don't absolutely need a big outing from him in the series finale. But offense needs to show up like they did today. Provide Dylan Cease uh, seven run. I mean, actually, you know, three of them scored at the end uh, for insurance. But still, uh, it got out to that early lead, as we talked about, with the home runs early on uh, in this ballgame. Who is helping the White? Who is helping Lucas Giolito and the White Sox uh, get ahead tomorrow, um, preferably early, uh, with your pick-to-click selections? Hit me with them. So I'll go with Luis Robert and, you know, I think it's just, it's was a real good sign of things to come that he got a hold of one today that winded up hitting a foul pole. I'm surprised that Steve didn't roll the R on this show yet. Uh, and we'll have to issue a warning to most of our guests. Do you need me to roll the, the R? Is that, is that what yeah, you're trying to need, do here? We, we need, need to issue a warning because, like, normally, like, I see the viewer count drop every single time that you roll the R because people think the stream's broken. And I've had that actually DM to me a couple of times. They're like, every time Steve rolls the R, I have to, like, turn the show off because I think it's broken. And we're close to the end, so we're good. We can, yeah, we're, we can we're close to the end, yeah. so we can roll the R. But I'm going Luis Robert because – I need another Luis Robert home run so that we can roll the R and see how many people leave the show when you roll the R. We need to do it back-to-back days. Steve, I'll turn it over to you. I'm going Luis Robert. There there are a lot of things I love about watching Luis Robert. Go yard is one of my favorite things in this world. As it relates to my pick to click tomorrow, Aaron Savali going to be on the mound for the Cleveland Guardians. Let's go back in time to last September. Aaron Savali was on the mound on a remember on a third hour, excuse me, on a Thursday afternoon. And the White Sox had an opportunity to clinch a division title. And they did so with the help of a long ball from Mr. Aloy Jimenez who drove the stake through the heart of the Cleveland Indians and buried those motherfuckers for the final time in the history of their franchise. He did it then. He's going to do it again tomorrow. I love it, guys. Uh, Tony, You, I'm debating. I kind of want to double down with you, but we're talking Aaron Savali on the mound. Another guy who has hit him pretty damn well throughout his career. Is Mr. Tim Anderson, 412 and 17 at bats. Three let's, home let's runs. Get, let's get on the Luis train together, Dude, man. Hey, it's been me, a while. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, well, I I no, I like that too. But Tony, this is the full clinch train from last year because you had said Luis Robert, he hit a home run in that game, if you remember, just an absolute nuke shot. I do, and Mendes Steve was did. there in person. And I my guy get Steve out to Cleveland. My pick, who I'm gonna go with now, because I was thinking about it, and I was like, but now that you brought that up, Tim Anderson, he hit two of them. 
they what happened on the first pitch of that game? Right. Yeah. 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 And he, he did it later. He wanted to do it all by his lonesome, as Jason Benetti mentioned uh, on that broadcast. I remember it's that. It's been vividly. a while since Timmy set the tone with the leadoff home run. Right. Yeah. That'd be cool and tough. So I think I got to speak it into existence here. I'm going to go with Mr. TA7 um, with my pick to click. So I, I think we have a solid selection there, gentlemen. Um, obviously, would have liked to have swept today, but we're doing the splits on the show. We're doing the splits. Let's do we did the split today in the doubleheader. Let's do the splits here. Like you'd said, Steve, I think. Is Steve sure. getting up? Is we Steve all want, getting up and doing the splits for everybody. I think we we all wanted three. We all wanted three or four, and I think that's what kind of we've been saying whenever we've been entering these four game series ever since the Baltimore one, right? When we're just talking about these and like, oh, where the White Sox need to be, how they can you know best position themselves and all that. We've been talking about that for so long. Whatever, get the split here, and then let's go with the, then fuck the three or four. Let's get the sweep. Close out the first half strong in Minnesota. So, guys, that's all I've got from here. Hit me with the final thought. I'll tell the listeners where to find us, then we'll get the hell out of here. Wasn't necessarily pretty early on, but they finished strong. They got the sweep. Carried that momentum over tomorrow, and let's beat these motherfuckers. A victory beer a day keeps the hashtag it's over away. That's what I've got to just close this out with. You start it, you finish it, you get the job done. Ball go far, team go far, all the mantras still, like, like, they just all still ring true. Setting the tone is something that the White Sox have not done enough of this year. They did it in game two today. I'm looking for more of that. The last two games prior to the second of the doubleheader, were not good. They were every single reason to be pessimistic and pissed off about this Chicago White Sox team in, what do you call it, Steve? Uh, the Lord's year 2022. The year of our Lord. The year of our Lord 2022. You have every reason to be pissed off about this team. It's all about winning. Winning is fun. That's socks on tap rule number fucking one. Winning is cool and tough. We need to do a lot more of that. Hoping we're talking about it tomorrow on this show, Johnny. That's we went a little biblical with some of these, uh, you know, final thoughts here. So I'm, I'll, I'll keep it there. And you can exercise some progressive field demons with a double digit performance in the run column tomorrow for our white socks. So that'll be my final thought. I'll leave you with that. Uh, speak that into existence going into tomorrow. listeners. Thank you for tuning in, commenting in here, subscribe on tap sports on YouTube. So you can join these fine commenters that are in here as well. We'll feature them. I uh, get some discussion going as we record these live. You can follow us on social media at socks on tap at on tap sports net. And of course, make sure you're visiting on tap for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. That does it for this edition of Socks on Tap. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's do the splits. And until next time, White Socks forever. White Socks forever. White Socks for life.